Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan, here with... Matthew Statler. Do you forget who you are? It's been so long, my friend! <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a long time. At least, like, <laughs> six months. It's like, uh, what'd you get points knocked off your test? Well, I spelled my name wrong. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I man. what so, day it is. Right. So it's December 1st. We're going to date ourselves, 2022. And the last time we recorded was in July. What's up with that, bruh? Man, we, we're busy. I think we're busy <laughs> like everyone else. Um, yeah. And, you know, being in two different uh, states and both being pastors and taking on extra jobs and, you know, side gigs and everything else, it's, it's hard to coordinate schedules. Yeah, so let's let's unpack that just for a second. So there's been some big changes, right? Um, man, what what have you been working on locally that you feel like is going to bless the ministry y'all have locally and also the community around you? Yeah, we've uh, we started offering biblical counseling training, um, and to do that, we we got. Um, we had the opportunity to get certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors as a training center, and so we've we've completed that uh, period, that purpose, and uh, that means also training people to counsel and supervising counseling. Yeah. And um, I've also started teaching Greek at the high school uh, here in town, <laughs> just another way to engage with my community and uh, to serve folks in, in a capacity that God has given me the opportunity to do. So, uh, yeah. you know, throw that in and, and then just being a pastor in a church. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah we've yeah. had quite a few die lately and, um, just old age and, yeah. you know, that's, that's a, it's a blessing to be able to walk with people through this time of their life. Yeah, absolutely. Caring for the saints and the church, man. Um, I, it's no small thing that your church is now a biblical counseling training center. There's a long process, um, both curriculum development to that, you know, equipping the right people to teach inside the church, working with ACBC to be approved for that, man. That's like a, that's a huge deal, man. I just want to say on air, man, I'm super, super pumped for you guys and proud of you, man. I know that, I know that's been a long time coming along work to see some fruit bore out of, you know, so I'm, I'm very pumped for you. And it's, it's a rewarding process because, you know, we get to have our stuff examined and, and, you know, even challenged, uh, as, as they go over some of the curriculum, they said, Hey, you need to maybe put more here or take away that there. And so it sharpens us as well. And I think it's a great process for anyone. Yeah. Neil, tell me a little bit about you and, and what's going on with you. Yeah. So big, big changes for us in our home as well. You know, we uh, we started working full time with the church, you know, uh, as a church plant. Um, you you are you are um, abundant. You have abundant resources when it comes to freedom for what you're doing but not necessarily resources on a tangible sense, right? <laughs> In a tangible sense. Um, so, man, we've seen our church grow and thrive and the culture taking root. And um, as a result of that growth, um, the church wanted to bring me on full time. I've always been kind of bivocational. I, I, I kind of love that. I like having my, 
my foot in two different worlds. I have ADHD, so if <laughs> for you guys for you guys out there, it's like I got to do things, you know, <laughs> it keeps me sane. Um, but even so, right, doing that full time, but also a big change was um, with Mighty Oaks uh, Warrior Programs. I'm now the aftercare manager, so I'm managing our aftercare team of guys who are mostly biblical counselors or guys who are in training in that uh, capacity for our organization. And there's been a lot of changes recently with how we do things. And, and so it's been my joy to kind of take, take, uh, take on that task and uh, oversee really some, some great men of the faith. You know, I, I was telling uh, another elder in our church the other day, you know, how, how pumped I am about this job and how much of a blessing it, it's been. And he said, so let me get this straight. You get to disciple a bunch of disciple makers. I was like, yeah, <laughs> he goes, that's a sweet gig, man. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. You know, it doesn't come without its challenges, but I'm working with some very spiritually mature men and man, it, it's, I'm, I'm constantly blessed um, by the guys, including yourself, you know, you, you're on that team as well. And so, um, that's been some of the changes and then, you know, continuing to develop, uh, biblical counseling in our community and our local church as well. So, um, you know, I'm super pumped to, to announce like ACBC is doing a regional training in Austin. And, uh, what's really cool about that is we, we're sending sponsoring and sending 10 members from our church to do that, to begin that work and that process. And so, man, God's just, um, blessing our church and we're being equipped to care for people, the souls of our congregation, more effective ways. Um, I kind of look at biblical counseling as applied discipleship, right? That, uh, it's a subset of the things we're doing naturally, but when people get stuck, we disciple them through that, whatever issue that may be, which, you know, is kind of the heart of this podcast, right? So we talk about um, different issues. Sometimes we talk about theology and doctrine, right? But we also talk about like key issues people face and try to show the sufficiency of scripture to help people through those areas of life so that they may get back into the mainstream of discipleship, whatever that is in their local church body. And so <laughs> we're actually going to pick back up where we left off when talking about doctrine and theology, you know, we were, we were working through the doctrines of grace. So we've talked about total depravity, uh, unconditional election, limited or definite atonement, or you like particular, right? Particular yeah, atonement. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about irresistible grace, man. Um, so I'm very excited to get back in the weeds of theology with you. And, uh, you know, just to kind of set a framework for what we're going to do, man, we want to um, not come to the Bible with a predetermined conclusion, but want to see how the scriptures teach these principles by which are good for our souls and for our lives, right? And so yeah. when we when we think about irresistible grace, you know, before we get into what the Bible says and all that kind of stuff, man, maybe we can we can begin by asking a question, right? Uh, Matt, have you ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, "There's only one clear decision that you need to make in a particular time or setting"? 
Yeah, so Neil, I was uh, at a birthday party, um, and there was a pool, and my two-year-old at the time fell into the pool, and I had on, I think I had like some nice shoes that I really liked that were, I don't know, nice shoes for me are like like 50 to 100. Air Jordans? No, (laughs) no, 50 to $100 like uh, dress shoes, you know? If you saw Matt right now, you would go, he would never wear that's right. I will not be on preachers and sneakers. I, I'm, afra- I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, so he fell in and, and I, you know, really didn't think too much about it, but I'd stepped right into that water and grabbed him. Um, and, and it was, yeah, it was a decision that was pretty much made for me. I mean, there was, there was no, I was not going to take off my shoes and get comfortable and, or anything like that. No, I immediately went, reached out to get him. Um, and it was, I mean, it was like an irresistible movement for me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can think back on, in my life, right. When, when Brittany told me that our, she was pregnant with our oldest, like the decision was made, right. I'm going to be a dad. She's going to be a mom. And then when she gave birth to Michael and I held him in my hands, like the love that poured out of my heart for this, this child was like natural to what was in me and the same for her like there wasn't a decision like this is may or may not be my son this may or (laughs) this child may or may not need my love i love this kid he's mine i am his dad and the same for Brittany as the mother you know like the decision was made right (laughs) Uh, and uh, when we think about irresistible grace you know i think it's it's helpful to kind of think of it like that. It's almost as if you can't help, but to embrace the grace that has been given to you. But, but where do we see that in scripture, Matt? Well, I think a, a, you know, a proof text that is often used is going to be John chapter six, 44. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him on the last day. And that Greek word for draw, I mean, is is pretty um, compelling, mm-hmm. if you will. It's um, it, it really does mean to like hook up and and drag you along. Um, and it's used in many different contexts. But you know, one is pulling an animal on a leash behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you ever train a dog, you know sometimes you are drawing that dog along. Um, sometimes against the dog's will. Sure. Uh, so it, it's a pretty powerful picture uh, in the Greek of, of the Lord compelling or drawing people yeah. to, to himself. Yeah. So it implies like an effective power. That's a, right. And yes. not a limited one, but the, the power has effect is effective in its nature. And we see other texts that use the same Greek word. For instance, John 21, 11 uh, says, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore That's full right. of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was torn, right? They right. use power to pull in the fish, no matter how many there were. Uh, we also see it in like James 2, 6. It says, but you have dishonored the poor man and are not the rich one, the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you or draw you into court. Um, There's this power being um, utilized to move 
something else, another agent, right? W- yeah. To the place it desires. Yeah, and you could even say it's 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 the Holy Spirit is working irresistible irresistibly in the lives of sinners. Hmm. Um, and so the power, of course, is God. Um, and, and we would say God, the spirit in the hearts of man, re- renewing and, and re- redeeming the heart. Yeah. But what would you say to someone who says, but don't we resist the work of the Holy Spirit all the time? Yeah, and, and you know, like any good systematic theology, we are taking the biblical text, as you said earlier, we're, we're drawing from it the conclusions and basically systematizing it. Yeah. Right? And so we see in Scripture that not everyone uh, that Jesus interacted with responded to the gospel. Yeah. Right? And Case so in there point, was, Judas. Yeah. Judas was a great example, and, and Jesus even brings it up. I've not lost all except for the one that you gave me to that was going to betray me. Um, but uh, theologians have, have said there are there are essentially two types of callings. Um, there's the general gospel call that goes forth to the to the whole earth to everyone who hears the words of Scripture. Right yeah. when I stand up in the pulpit and I preach the gospel, um, everybody hears it, but only some will be affected by it. Um, and so there's a general call which says come, uh, but there are going to be some who are not able to come, right? Our hearts are, are dead in sin. Um, in, in some ways, kind of like the, the picture of Ezekiel preaching to the, to the dead, the, the bones, right? Ezekiel um, 37, yep. That's right. And, and so <laughs> we would say, yeah, there's two types of calls. There's a general call and then an effectual call, right? Which is maybe a better term than irresistible grace. Maybe effectual calling would be a better, better term to use, but it doesn't make a sweet tulip acronym. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that's what we see is, is the kicking against the goads or the resisting um, is in many ways, the fact that the effectual calling hasn't taken place. Uh, Now at another time, the effectual call can take place, right? So you can resist for a long, long time and then you become saved, right? The, the, the call, the inward call happens. Um, the outward call can be resisted, but the inward call cannot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if we were to go back to John six forty four, and again, it says, no one can come to me. This Jesus talking unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise them or him up on the last day a lot of people you know usually cite john 12 32 in response to this text saying well he calls or draws all men not just some and just to refer refresh everybody's mind excuse me mind john 12 32 says and i when i'm lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself um but this is why it's important we uh, mine the depths of what the scriptures teach so that we can come up with a correct interpretation of whatever verse or proof text we may have, right? And what's fascinating to me about that text is when we read it in the Greek, the word people's not actually there, is it? Right. Yeah, so it says that, it, r- literally it says, uh, when I'm lifted up from the earth, 
will draw all to myself. And so now we have this vague or ambiguous all. How do we get the correct interpretation of all? What's what's a interpreting method we might apply, Matt? Yeah, the uh, anagolia fide. Is that did I say that right? right the so, analogy yeah. of of faith. Um, yep. Scripture interprets scripture. Yeah, and so yeah. Let, where how else does John use the word all? Yeah. So um, in what ways does he use it? Uh, he so for instance. Um, he uses in Revelation 5, 9, which John also wrote Revelation. He says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all the children of God to myself. Or you could say in John ten fifteen, when Jesus says, I lay my life down for the sheep, all of them, the sheep, right? Or John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, all of them. Uh, or John eighteen thirty seven, I will draw all who are of the truth because Jesus says that in John eighteen thirty seven. So, you know, in other words, we could say this, and and I'm quoting John Piper on this part. He wrote a book called Five Points that's super helpful and. Um, um, palatable, right, or consumable. It's it's an easy read. He says, in other words, running straight through the Gospel of John is the truth that God the Father and God the Son decisively draw people out of darkness into light. And Christ died for this. He was lifted up for this, that all of them might be drawn to him, all the children, all the sheep, all who are of the truth, all those who the Father gives the Son. So what John 12:32 adds is that this happens today in history by pointing the whole world to the crucified Christ and preaching of the good news that whoever believes on him will be saved. In the in that preaching of the lifted up Christ God opens the ears of the deaf and the sheep hear his voice and they follow Jesus. So that that might be how we run the thread through all of John's works so that we might interpret this passage correctly. And, and I believe what it, it's saying is that God does this work in salvation where he sends the spirit out to regenerate a heart or to change a nature uh, so that when the call goes out, there is an irresistible res response where it's like, I only have one decision to make. And so when people say things like, well, we resist the spirit all the time, right? Um, in that moment where you hear the gospel and are converted, you freely come. Well, why? Because the Holy Spirit has done this inward work in your heart. And so it feels like I only have one option. You know, if we say like, why did you come to Jesus? Most people don't say, Matt, because I'm smarter than the next guy, because I'm wiser than the next guy or lady, right? It's, man, God God did something in me. You know, we we want to give glory to God. And on the, the um, underbelly of the salvific work that we respond to, the reality is the Holy Spirit's working in you, changing your nature so that you will freely respond and gladly come to Christ, right? 
And you know, and Neil, we're not also not saying that God doesn't use other means in this drawing, right? So you know, you used uh, several really helpful passages. John six, verse sixty three says, "The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life." Yeah, right. So it's the Spirit that gives life, and then John and First John uh, one five. He says this, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it proceeds. So this regeneration precedes faith. Yeah. Um, we're enabled to then respond. Uh, and so a lot of people will, will talk about how it wasn't until God brought them to the very bottom of whatever situation, right? The, the bottom of the, the alcohol bottle or the drugs or, you know, the guys that we work with, the different things that they are struggling with, their um, their circumstances seem so overwhelming. And at some point they're like, I give up. And they say, I surrender to you, Lord. Yeah. Right. So God has used means in their life to afflict them in order for them to turn and come to him. Yeah. Right. So we're not saying that you were sitting one day, God, uses a lightning bolt and zaps your heart alive. <laughs> and then all of a sudden now you're like, Oh, I believe right. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he has used all things in order to draw you to himself. Um, but there's an inward regeneration that has to take place. Uh, and that's what we see from, from these passages in scripture. Yeah. I think a great uh, place where this principle is taught by Jesus is actually in Luke 15 and the parable of the lost son, um, where you have this uh, prodigal son who takes his father's inheritance, runs off, blows all his money. Um, It's not when he loses all his money that he comes back home, right? That's, That's not what happens. No, it says a severe famine struck the land, and then he had nothing to eat. He was starving. And it was at that point where he comes to his senses and returns home. And in his coming to his senses, he said, he makes this plan, right? I will go to my father. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. You know, um, make me one of your servants. And when he goes to the father, the father receives him fully and restores him fully. And he actually never gets to make me a servant. The father interrupts him. Uh, he says, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. Um, and he's restored. And so yeah. when we think about uh, irresistible grace, I think it's a lot like that, man, where, man, we sometimes we uh, spend thrift all that we have until we come to this point and then we get crushed or uh, opposed or humbled by God to where there's only one option. Uh, there's only one place to look. And that is Christ, like the uh, the the bronze serpent raised <laughs> up, yeah. you know, and that's where salvation is. And, you know, so when we then we ask, like, what well, what's the what's the benefit of this? Like, why does this how does this matter for my everyday life? How might we respond to that? Man, there's so many helpful implications to this. I mean, one it should lead us to doxology. It should lead us to to praise, to worship that God and his mercy and grace has 
abundantly poured out his love in such a way that he has compelled, he has um, wooed my heart, transforming it, regenerating it, and turning it to him in order that I might have faith and believe, that I might have that repentance. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it should immediately lead us to say, praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? The ultimate blessing is this new life in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, the 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 whole Trinity involved in this uh, bringing dead man to life. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I think it's, it's praise. It's praise and worship. Um, and it's humbling mm. because... I had no part in this, in my own ability, my own strength. It wasn't because I was smarter than anybody else. It wasn't because I read scripture better than anybody else. You know, none of that. It's, I'm a worm and not a man, and I was dead in my sin and trespasses, and God decided to do this, this work in me, and um, praise the Lord for that. And it takes a lot of pressure off in evangelism. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, that's a huge part because I could go up there and, and preach and not see results <laughs> and be very, very disappointed in my lack of ability. And the reality is I'm nothing. I'm just a vessel doing the best I can, but I can't bring dead men to life. Yeah. And if I, if I put that expectation on myself, um, ministry is going to be very short for me. <laughs> because I will, I will be discouraged and I'll be done. Mm. Um, and so I, I rest in, in God's providence and his, um, his bringing dead men to life through the spirit and the word. Yeah. And, you know, just to take it one step further with like the call of evangelism, like respond to the gospel, repent, believe, you know, we, we learn in the scriptures that even repentance is granted. It's a result of this effectual calling in our lives by the, by the father. Right. I think about like second Timothy two, 24 through 25, that says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So um, when I get up and I preach and I call people to embrace Christ and to turn from their sins, um, I know that God is doing this work in them and may perhaps grant them repentance too. I don't have to sit up there. And just try to convince people or persuade people. I mean, I, do I try to do that? Of course. You know, I want to use logic. You know, I ask the question like, how's that working out for you often? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's not. But people don't turn from their sin even when they see that their sin isn't working. <laughs> because right. it's right. their nature. Their nature has to change or they must be granted a new birth uh, or regenerated, right? But even their repentance or their choosing to turn away from their sin, man, that's granted by God. And that that is either one or two things. Uh, one, a new repentance that results in godly or has come from godly sorrow results in salvation. Or it comes from I'm in Christ and because the Holy Spirit is working in me. I see the knowledge of the truth. Like I see this is good and right. And I, and I want to turn from my sin. So it's a, either a marker of someone already saved, or it is a marker of the Holy Spirit's working in the heart 
and I'm converting <laughs> and I'm, I'm choosing today to follow Jesus and I'm freely choosing it because it's the only decision I can make. Like a, like a moth drawn, drawn towards light. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even, uh, I mean, all Christians functionally believe this, this doctrine. Yeah. They may deny it verbally, but they all functionally believe it because what happens when you have an unbelieving relative? We pray that the Lord would save them, mm-hmm. right? So if it wasn't up to the Lord to do the work in his heart, why are we bothering to pray for them, right? So I can pray with great confidence that it is all of God. It's a complete mercy of God, and he is faithful and just to do what is right. And I pray for the souls of, of my lost family and my friends and the people I run across because I know it's God who does the work. Uh, if I had, if I, if I believed in some other system, and said, "Well, maybe it's a you know partly God, partly them, or or any way you want to parse it," I I have no cause for hope in my prayer, um, because God wants all to be saved. Then why aren't people being saved? Yeah, you know. So if you if we if we follow our practice to its final conclusion, I think we would everyone would agree <laughs> we believe that god does the work in the heart that leads to salvation yeah and man thankfully so right uh um, yeah praise be to god yeah i and i love that you began with doxology you know and i think when we work through a that's doc- your love language though that is <laughs> that is my uh gary chapman love language um that's right that's but right. um uh, it's the sixth Love language, sorry. That's right. The, un- <laughs> the undiscovered. Yeah, but but that's the reality, right? Like when we when we see this grace was irresistible yeah. to us, the first response is praise be God. Um, yeah. The Father of Light has shown His light on me, an unworthy wretch. <laughs> and then that's when right. when we turn from sin and we repent and we walk in the manner worthy of our calling, praise be God who shone his light in a new way on this miserable wretch like me, who constantly wants to turn back to the flesh. Uh, man, that is the the reality of the spirit at work in our lives. And man, there's only one place to go. And that is, that is glad worship, you know, regardless yeah. if it's the front end or during, <laughs> during your Christian walk with Jesus. Right. And you know, a little, a little teaser, this is really important with perseverance of the saints. Yeah. Um, there's quite a tie in to the history of Israel, uh, and Abraham, no matter how much Abraham screwed up, uh, use it, pardon the French as much, you know, no matter how much he <laughs> messed up, he, um, he wasn't unchosen. Yeah. And that's, that's really significant as we go forward. How might you say that in French? <laughs> screwed up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to risk saying something naughty on the uh, podcast. <laughs> it's funny how those are the things that stick in your mind and not the That's good right. stuff. That's uh, right. Oh, man. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure to uh, record for you guys again. We thank you for listening. And- oh, Neil. Oh, yeah. So we may not be as consistent as we want to be. So it's really important that you subscribe to this podcast <laughs> because that way you can get a notification when we actually get to doing one of these. Um, we want to be regular. We want to we want to produce these on a regular basis. 
Um, but we we're so grateful for your understanding, but no, get knocked the little notification button, subscribe. That way you can get a message when we get it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the gospel lifeline podcast, Neil and Matt. We out. We out.